And so we have this morning Julia Kamein. Julia is going to be bringing uh, the Word of God to us this morning, so I would love to pray for her. Uh, God, thank you for uh, our students. Uh, God, thank you for their love and their devotion to you and the ways in which you are growing them into a deeper re relationship with you. One that we know, God, will, um, will stay with them all the days of their life as they continue to commit their ways to you. God, you will be faithful. And so, Father, thank you for your faithfulness to Julia. God, thank you for the ways in which you have been growing her faith so significantly. And, um, Father, we pray now that as she puts herself into a place of ministering to us, God, that you would bless her and bless us, God, to be able to receive your word. So we commit our sister and we commit ourselves to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Make your bed. If you want to change the world, start by making your bed. Make your bed. Julia, have you made your bed yet? Julia, you can't leave until you make your bed. This was something my mom and dad told me many times as I was a kid getting ready for school. I'm sure many of you can relate. Make your bed, brush your teeth, eat your breakfast. Learning how to be a big kid and do it all on your own. For me, it was actually a struggle making my bed. I was very short more short than I am now, and <laughs> it was hard for me to get up on my bed and stretch out the blankets from underneath me, but as I got older, I got into the habit of making my bed right after getting up in the morning. Yes, Mom, I still make my bed in college. My mom and Papa are here with me today, and my dad and my family are watching online. <laughs> My name is Julia Comain. I study chemical engineering and will be graduating from Clarkson in less than two months. Guys, this is like pretty cool. Um, <laughs> I grew up in a military family. My mom was in the Navy and my dad is retired Army. Um, my papa and my, was in the Air Force and my aunt and my older brother were also in the Air Force as well. Routines, good habits, Cleanliness and order were very common and abundant in my life growing up. And I have to thank my family for much of who I am and where I am today, and for the self-discipline I have learned and developed along the way. And even today, I still make my bed, probably not to military standards, though. In the military, there are actual inspections on your bed to see if you made them properly. It's the first thing you do every single morning is make your bed. There's actually a book called Make Your Bed, um, written by Admiral William H. McRaven, U.S. Navy retired. He was an admiral, one of the highest ranking officers in the United States Navy, and he wrote this book. <laughs> um, one of the quotes in it was, um, it is daily life that needs th this sense of structure. Nothing can replace the strength and comfort of one's faith, but sometimes the simple act of making your bed can give you the lift you need to start your day and provide you the satisfaction to end it right. If you want to change your life and maybe the world, start off by making your bed. <laughs> in the book, he talks about no matter where he was, the first thing he did in the morning is make his bed. It was a constant, a consistent thing he can control and do no matter what. It could have been one of the best days in his life. It could have been one of the worst days. But 
no matter what happened, he would be able to come back to a made bed. As important as making my bed is to me, I doubt this daily discipline of mine can really change the world. However, I do believe that there are disciplines that we can practice that, can, that could significantly impact the world around us, and that is through developing the fruit of God's spirit in our lives. Last week, we wrapped up the book of Galatians, where we were introduced to this list of spiritual qualities given by the Apostle Paul, the fruit of the spirit. This morning, I get to kick off this new sermon series, um, which will focus on each of these qualities with a hope and prayer that we all will become more spiritually fruitful. In Galatians 5.22-23, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. The fruit of the Spirit isn't an exhaustive list, but it's a good place to start from. However, we're starting from the list backwards. Um, In high school English class, I was told to read my papers backwards, not word for word, but sentence by sentence, um, to to see if they could stand on their own. So when I heard that we're going backwards direction working through this list of the fruit of the Spirit, I thought, wow, this is a great way to gain new perspective on something that um, we might already have an image of in our minds. Whether it's from old Sunday school lessons or Bible studies you've done on your own or from worldly definitions. Another place in the Bible where there's a very similar list to the fruit of the Spirit is in 2 Peter. When Peter wrote to the new churches about the gifts of the Holy Spirit and said to take caution about the world, he said in 2 Peter 1, 5 through 8, For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and self-control, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Here, it talks about a sort of stacking scheme, things to add to faith. Goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, mutual affection, and love. That's a lot of stuff. Um, As these spiritual qualities grow in your life, you will become increasingly faithful, or using Peter's words, these qualities will keep you from being ineffective or unproductive in your knowledge of Jesus Christ. As an engineering student, words like effectiveness and productivity mean a lot to me and are very important. Um, And so when I heard that God's spirit can help me become more effective and more productive as a Christian, I'm going to pay attention to that. As you can see, the order of the spiritual qualities in Peter's list is different from the order from Paul's list in Galatians. This should help us see that it's not the order of the fruit that's important. It's the fruit itself. You can see that self-control is sandwiched between in the middle in Peter's stacking scheme and not at the end like in Paul's list. It's sandwiched between knowledge and perseverance. 
It's sort of a stepping stone or a building block. So this leads me to my next question. Before we jump into the fruit of the spirit and self-discipline, I have a question about Paul's metaphor. Why fruit? The fruit of the spirit. Paul could have chosen anything else. He could have chosen building blocks or stepping stones. He could have chosen animals to relate these qualities to. He could have done anything. But he said that these were the fruit of the spirit. Coincidentally, I just gave a presentation in my favorite class, food chemistry, about fruit and ripening. There's actually a very particular chemical, ethylene, two carbons and four hydrogens. It's an invisible gas, and not too complex in terms of chemicals, but it is the very key to ripening. In some fruits, it does a super cool thing where once ethylene is produced, it becomes a catalyst, a sort of supercharger. So then um, for the production of more fruit, um, once ethylene is produced, it can then produce even more ethylene to help the fruit ripen even faster. Fruit comes from plants, and like plants, you're able to nurture it and water it and feed it and weed it, and you can put it in the sun and put fertilizer in it. But ultimately, what has the power to make them grow? You can't make it produce chlorophyll or ethylene. You can't tell it photosynthesize, and it photosynthesizes, no, but God can. It's God that does the extra work. He works with these amazing chemicals that make up plants. But you also have a part to play, too. Without watering it or reading it, the plant may wither and die. Same with, fruit, with the fruit of the Spirit. In Acts, we're told the Spirit now dwells inside each of us and every one of us. It's a gift. So the fruit of the Spirit are sort of the byproduct gifts of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> like plants, we have a responsibility to do what we can, like make our beds. But it is ultimately God's strength and his will that they can grow to their fullest. So how does the fruit develop in our lives? Whose responsibility is it? God's or ours? Exactly. That was right here. <laughs> So we're starting with self-discipline, or in sub-translations, it's called temperance. With making my bed, this is a certain discipline I've learned in my life um, from my family and their encouragement. But there are times when I fall short and I don't have the self-discipline to complete the tasks that I would really like to do. In other words, there's days when I don't make my bed. Um, another example is that sometimes I don't drink enough water. This is a fact. If I do not carry around a water bottle or a cup every single day, everywhere I go, I will not drink water for the entire day. So that's why I have a cup up here. <laughs> and then that causes me to feel tired or exhausted and sort of irritated by the end of the day, all because I didn't have the self-discipline to stay hydrated. Sometimes we don't achieve the goals we set out for ourselves, and we don't have the self-discipline we thought we could originally muster. I set a goal for myself this semester to pray every morning for others and those around me that I pass by. I have a prayer journal with them all written down in one spot, but sometimes I don't have the energy to do it, or that's what I tell myself. 
I don't have the time. I have other things to do. I gotta do, go do my laundry. Whatever's going on, the end point is I don't have the self-control to simply set a time aside to pray like I wanted to. I have a feeling a lot of us can relate, that we fall short from even our own standards we set for ourselves. We fall short from the certain level of control that we strive for. But I have good news. Self-control is one of the fruit of the Spirit God has given us. It is a gift given by the Holy Spirit. Let's look again at the fruits of the Spirit in Paul's list. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Do you notice that the word self is only in that last spiritual quality, self-control? There is no self-love, self-joy, or self-kindness, or any other selves, but there is self-control. This was sort of weird to me and stuck out, that while all the other gifts of the fruit of the Spirit, this one had the word self inside of it. In my small group Bible study, we have determined that the source for all the other fruits Love, joy, joy, peace, they all come from the same source, from God. God is the one who provides them all. If you do not go to God to get love, if you do not go to God to get peace, if you do not go to God to get patience, what type of love, peace, and patience are you getting? Is it true love? Is it lasting peace? My guess is probably not. Same with self-control. What type of self-control are you getting, using, if it isn't from God? Making your bed is all fine and dandy, but that's a trained skill, something that I find purpose in every morning when I have to wake up early for class, or early for a college student. But sometimes, uh, but self-control that God provides, self-control through God and for God, is an entirely different thing than the common use of self-control that you might think. There are more times self-control is used in the English translation. Um, in the Greek, it's pronounced ingratia. Um, that's translated the specific word self-control used in Galatians. So that's, it's only used three times in the Bible. One was in the fruits of the Spirit. One was in Peter's letter that we looked at earlier with the stacking scheme. And then there's a third spot found in the book of Acts. In Acts 24, the Apostle Paul was brought to trial with judge or governor Felix. The trial was put on hold, and Felix went afterwards with his wife to go see Paul and listen about who Jesus Christ is. And when Paul was speaking about faith in Christ, Jesus in Christ Jesus, he also spoke about righteousness, self-control, and judgment to come. It doesn't necessarily say word for word what he said the question, and told the questioning Felix, but it is interesting to see self-control sandwiched between righteousness and judgment to come, almost sort of like a timeline. Righteousness begins with God, and through Jesus, we can attain it. And judgment speaks of how things will end. And in between those two is self-control. It's curious to me that self-control is paired with this righteousness on one side and judgment on the other. So I was left with, uh, what are we supposed to do with that? Jesus. 
Jesus is the answer to everything. So let's look at his words. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Mark 13, 32 through 37. This is the parable of the faithful servant. And it talks about the end times. In Mark 13, 32 through 37, it says, But about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard. Be alert. You do not know when that time will come. It's like a man going away. He leaves his house and puts his servants in charge, each with their assigned task. He asks the one at the door, keep watch. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know when the owner of the house will return and come back, whether it's in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or at dawn. If he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to everyone, watch. This faithful servant was practicing self-control by the way he was standing by, watching and being prepared for the owner of the house to return. In my house growing up, when we're getting ready to go to church, my parents would call out, stand by. Stand by is a military term. Be ready to deal or assist with something. My parents would call out, stand by, whenever we had to get ready to leave the house to go to church or the store or any time we needed to leave. In my house, that meant waiting by the door in attention, ready for them to come and open the door for us, ready to leave. Sometimes we would salute if we could figure out which arm was left or right. <laughs> and sometimes we'd holler back, stand by, louder and louder just to remind them that um, we were ready and waiting, um, and if they were slow, to get themselves ready. <laughs> um, that was probably annoying, but to a five-year-old, two minutes is a really long time. So <laughs> that's what we did. <laughs> as servants, um, as a spiritual fruit grows of self-control grows in our life, we become more like the watchful servant, ready to go and, and do as the Spirit leads us. For example, as kids, we weren't still playing in our rooms or trying to find our shoes. We were standing ready to go right next to the door, so when our parents were ready to leave, we were too. That is what comes to mind when I think about the parable of the faithful servant. The servant was exercising self-control, giving him given to him as he watched over what had been entrusted in his care. He was waiting. He was standing by. He was faithful. And this is the fruit of self-control. And I'd like to worship team to get ready and to stand by. <laughs> so, new hope. Are you ready to obey Jesus? Are you in standby waiting for his leading? Could you use more self-control in your life? The good news is God wants to help us. He gives us the self-control that we need each day. I know I could use more self-control to pray more, not just while I'm in bed um, when I fall asleep, like the second before I remember, oh, shoot, i got to pray, um, or while I'm munching on some breakfast in the morning. I would like to include it in my everyday actions. 
I'm beginning to draw upon the fruit of the Spirit's help and self-control in this area by asking for prayer requests and writing them down where I can see them to help me remember to actually pray. What about you? Are there areas in your life where you can use a supercharge of the Holy Spirit-empowered self-control? Like habits of making your bed, you have to start small. Like a plant, you must nurture it to grow. But also like plants, you can smother it with all the attention in the world. But if you do not leave room for God to do his work, then it will wither and die. Imagine how much better off we would be if the fruit of self-control was maturing in all of our lives. Imagine how much different this world would be if the church was filled with men and women full of self-control. I imagine it would lead to a drastic decline in injustices and in domestic violence, substance abuse, jealousy, fits of rage, murder, even war. With more self-control the world could lead, in the world, it could lead to better decisions, wiser uses of time, more time to build healthy relationships with friends and with God, healthier families built upon love and respect. I imagine it would lead to more of the fruits of the Spirit, more love in the world, more lasting peace and joy. It could lead to the kindness of strangers. I think that if the Holy Spirit empowered self-control ripened to a greater degree in our lives, it would not only benefit us, but also impact the world around us to God's glory. Dear Lord, Thank you for today. Thank you that this church has opened this door, their doors to us for College Sunday and that I was welcomed up here on stage to talk about your God-given fruit of self-control. Lord, I pray as we reflected on areas of our life that um, may need some more self-control, that we offer that up to you, Lord. Like plants, we can't smother it with um, all of our attention. There is areas for you to work, Lord, and I pray that we all offer them up to you to let you do your wondrous work. Thank you, Lord, in your name. Amen.